Hello, welcome to the Thursday, February 14th, 2019 edition of the Sands and Storm Center's Stormcast. My name is Johannes Ulrich, and I'm recording from Jacksonville, Florida. Brad looked at a recent example of one of these fake update campaigns, and you probably have seen them. I actually personally consider them the most dangerous type of malware that you usually see against Macs being used. Now, works against Windows too, and the attack that Brad looked at here was targeting Windows, at least when he pulled it up, even though I've seen them sort of adapt their lure based on what operating system and what browser you use to actually visit the site. The way they work is that a website gets compromised and is then being used to advertise these fake updates. They can get quite sophisticated in the way they look. They try to emulate the real update notifications as much as possible. Now, the example that Brad here has is Chrome. I I've seen quite a few fake updates, in particular, again, against uh, Mac OS users that advertise updates for Flash. So take a look at it and look at some of the traffic patterns that Brad describes. Now, he mentions that this particular case that he looked at was a little bit unusual in that it still used HTTP. Many of these campaigns are now using HTTPS, which, of course, makes detection a bit more complex. Well, in talking about fake installers and Mac OS, Carbon Black actually has a write-up about one that they recently ran into. It's a variant of Schleyer. Now, Schleyer has been around since at least a year or so ago. Intego has written about it. But this new variant adds a couple new tricks sort of to its repertoire. So all of this shows up as uh, what claims to be a Flash Player update. It asks for credentials. Of course, with that, it does get privileged access. And then it actually uses that access to disable Gatekeeper. Gatekeeper is the basic antivirus that comes uh, with Mac OS. I think about three or so versions ago is when they started including this. It's fairly simple. It's signature-based, but does a reasonable good job against widely spread malware like, for example, Schleyer. So that's probably why they try to disable it before signatures are being updated and then the malware may have been discovered. Carbon Black published a long list of host names that are associated with this particular malware. So you could consider this as part of your domain blacklist. And then a correction to the Patch Tuesday podcast from yesterday. Microsoft actually did release a patch for the exchange privilege escalation flaw. Wasn't just the updated advisory they pointed to. So uh, this particular vulnerability should be taken care of now. And then we got a slightly different unusual patch for Cisco's network assurance engine. Now, the title of the vulnerability is a default password vulnerability, but in this case, it's a little bit different than what we usually have. Yes, it's a default password, but the, the real problem here is that when the user changes the password via the web-based interface, 
that change is actually not properly transmitted to the command line interface. So the old vulnerable default password remains even though the user thought they changed it. This is actually the first time that I've seen it actually way, way back. Uh, well, when I just up with starting security, some of the early firewalls that did come with a sort of nice GUI interfaces had this problem that the GUI didn't always really reflect what was happening sort of under the hood uh, in the configuration files. So definitely always good to double check and verify if any changes that you made actually got applied correctly. And well, if you ever need a reason for offline backups and uh, maybe a good case study in order to get funding for it, take a look at the homepage of vfemail.net. vfemail.net is a small email provider and they apparently were compromised, but the attacker didn't steal the data. Instead, they just overrode it. Not only did they delete virtual machines that were used to run the service, they all also overrode backups with DD, so they actually overrode the disk and now they may still have been able to recover partial backups because they sort of disrupted that override before it was finished. But overall, it looks like about 16 years, I think they said, of email and system logs and system configurations and all was lost. So remember, backups should be offline and backups don't work unless you regularly test them. Well, and that's it for today. So thanks again for listening and talk to you again tomorrow. Bye.